This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, September 8th. I'm Robert Bluey. And I'm Virginia Allen. We hope that you all had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. It's good to be back with you all today. On today's show, Rob talks with Abby Jagoda from Westfield about the important role retail plays in the road to economic recovery. We also read your letters to the editor and share a good news story about how a classic American company is stepping up to help Hurricane Laura victims. Before we get to today's show, we want to tell you all about another great way to keep up with the news right now. The Morning Bell is a daily weekday newsletter that delivers the top news and commentary directly to your inbox for free. Every morning, the Daily Signal will send you the latest news on COVID-19, analysis from heritage experts, and keep you up to date on the top news stories conservatives need to know. It's easy to sign up. Just visit DailySignal.com and click on the Connect button in the top right corner of the page. We'll start sending you the morning bell tomorrow. Now stay tuned for today's show, coming up next. We are joined on the Daily Signal podcast today by Abby Jagoda, Vice President of Government Affairs at the shopping center operator, Unibuy Radomko Westfield. Abby, thanks so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Well, your company is one of the largest commercial real estate companies in the world with well-known retail shopping centers in the United States and Europe. And I'd like to begin our interview today by by sharing a little bit more about Westfield. Uh, obviously, some of our listeners are familiar with those properties and uh, and some of the places they might recognize here in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Westfield maintains a network of 31 shopping centers, plus retail and restaurant operations at five leading international airports across America. And we're not really just a landlord. We're a network of centers that provides over 100,000 American jobs across the country. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Well, we know that uh, COVID-19 has obviously had a big impact on a number of businesses, not just here in America, but also worldwide. How are your shopping centers adapting uh, from the point of time in March when everything largely shut down uh, to today? So across our national portfolio, as our centers have been able and permitted to reopening, we're seeing amazing enthusiasm among our guests and visitors to come back and enjoy themselves while also abiding by health and safety guidelines. And at many locations, our customers have been so excited to be out in their favorite malls again that they've even been cheering when the doors are open. It's so cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's adorable. Um, and and we, we've, we've definitely been doing some innovative work around our apps. We have a Westfield rewards program that we recently partnered with Nordstrom uh, to, to do double rewards during the Nordstrom sale. Um, uh, along with our double rewards on, on the Westfield app. We've, we've cribbed a program from Disney. Uh, you might be familiar with their FastPass system after, yes. after theme parks. Um, we're calling it Line Pass, so that if a store is too crowded, you can make an appointment to come back, similar to what you would see at a Disney World ride. Um, and, and that's all sort of in the way of social distancing and providing that healthy and safe atmosphere for our customers. Well, that's really great to hear. You know, one of the things that we worked on uh, with our colleagues at the Heritage Foundation was the National Coronavirus Recovery Commission. And I know how important it is 
to establish and restore that confidence in, uh, with Americans uh, so that they do feel comfortable going out and shopping again. And, and let me tell you, as somebody who, who grew up uh, going to the shopping mall uh, as a child and, uh, and it was a big part of our community, I know that uh, they certainly have a big impact. But I want to ask you, because even before COVID-19, retail was obviously facing increased competition from e-commerce. Uh, what does the future hold for, for shopping malls in America? Well, as you know, um, uh, about 85% of adults still shop at, visit, or, or visit malls on a regular basis. And 81% of Gen Z, uh, that's, that's, that's younger than, than, than me as a millennial, uh, still prefer to shop in stores. Um, 17 million people are employed in shopping centers throughout the U.S., and it generates $400 billion of state and local taxes. And as Westfield sort of starts to pivot into the new COVID era, um, we're definitely continuing down a path that we had begun prior to COVID, which is leaning into mixed-use developments. Mixed-use means a live-work-play environment where we're setting up residential, office, and hotel units uh, in boxes that, that were formerly occupied by retail. And what we're seeing, uh, Smart Growth America actually uh, uh, conducted a study that, that, that said that um, mixed-use developments generate 10 times the tax revenue as that of a standalone retail. So for cities and towns, this is vital. And for us, it's a built-in customer environment that we can continue to invest in the Westfield brand uh, and provide that flagship offering uh, that, that Westfield is really famous for in this country. Well, yeah, certainly in uh, in metropolitan areas, we've seen uh, that concept become quite popularized. I know, I know, in in Washington D.C. and its suburbs, uh, you see a lot more of that, and it makes sense. Uh, certainly, for the convenience standpoint, and uh, and for the attractiveness, I think of of what it means for for somebody who'd be living in that that neighborhood. Now, you gave some some data and some facts there. I, I wanted to ask about sales. Um, how do e-commerce e sales today compare to brick and mortar sales in America? So in 2018, uh, $513 billion were spent in e-commerce sales, which is very impressive. Um, but when compared to the $3.8 trillion in brick and mortar, it sort of pales in comparison. Now, of course, we're seeing a spike in e-commerce sales, given that more people are shopping from home. Um, but, 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 but don't count out the mall. Um, we, we are continuing to, to, to see uh, record sales in many of our, of, our, of our convenience and entertainment industries. And uh, Westfield itself is also investing in many digitally native brands. Some that you might know include Bonobos or Warby Parker, who realized quickly that, that customers are really interested in touching and feeling and seeing what they're about to buy in a brick and mortar environment. Well, I, I can certainly uh, testify to that. I mean, I, I know that, that I've had many occasions uh, just over the course of the past six months where, uh, you know, there is uh, there's nothing like trying on a pair of sneakers or <laughs> or actually going to the store and uh, and seeing the goods right there in front of you and be able to have that that tangible experience as opposed to going through multiple layers of returns through e-commerce. So definitely from a convenience standpoint, I understand that, that e-commerce, uh, you know, in, in the COVID period has has allowed uh, people to get goods uh, and services 
delivered directly to their homes. But uh, but to me, anyways, nothing like uh, going to the mall. But, and we uh, love returns, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Returns are a huge generation of sales. But I, I feel like as you gave those numbers, I mean, that's quite striking to me because there seems to be a myth out there that, that brick and mortar is collapsing and being destroyed by e-commerce when in fact, uh, at least based on those 2018 numbers, it seems that you're still actually doing quite well. Absolutely. I mean, retail sales grew 3.5% in 2019. So once we're back on track um, after after the coronavirus and the pandemic and era is behind us, I absolutely think that that those uh, those numbers will continue. And we're really seeing some 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 growth now in the back to school shopping area, even though children are not uh, returning to brick and mortar schools on on many occasions, uh, parents are still very interested in making purchases uh, to coincide with the beginning of school. Well, you know, we just uh, had another strong jobs report for the month of August, and and obviously retail is going to play an important role in the road to economic recovery in the United States. What are some of the steps that you're taking at Westfield or or you like to see others take uh, when it comes to to making sure that we do have success and we're getting people back to work and uh, and we're returning to as normal as possible uh, we since you know pre-COVID. It's it, it, what's really vital for us right now is that businesses continue to remain open. Westfield's been working since day one to make sure that we're providing our tenants with the education and the tools necessary, the security, the uh, the infrastructure to make opening and remaining open a safe experience for the communities that we serve. Um, so we we're very proud of the steps that we make and 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 uh, would definitely encourage others to follow our lead. And, and in those cases, I mean, is it largely um, working with the local government officials to make those decisions? I, I know, again, going back to uh, one of the main recommendations that we had is it really uh, should be determined on a state or local level uh, as opposed to a federal level in terms of uh, those those decisions in terms of what's safe to reopen and, uh, and, and where those restrictions are. But uh, for the most part, I mean, given where you do have locations, uh, you mentioned airports as well. Uh, what is it like in in the current environment? Do you feel that you have a good working relationship with those local officials to make those decisions, or are there still barriers to to getting those stores reopened again? Absolutely, and we've been working hand in hand with with local law enforcement. And you're right. I mean, the more local we can get uh, to this point, the better. Even even certain states are seeing spikes in some places and not in others. We're seeing a spike in Buffalo, New York, right now, but not in New York City, where where uh, it was recently announced that malls could reopen on September 9th. So we're excited about our, our World Trade Center being able to finally reopen. Um, and, and in terms of customer behavior, our shoppers have been quite good about abiding by the health and safety guidelines that we have in place. We're seeing very few instances of somebody with a lack of face covering. And uh, 98% of the time, they're very compliant and almost always have one on hand. And, and with respect to social distancing guidelines um, for queuing in line, our visitors have also been very cooperative when, when being asked to uh, spread out. And as operating restrictions at, at shopping centers are relaxed progressively over time, we expect to transition through a series of clearly defined operational phases. And there's no set duration for any of those phases. Of course, it depends on the center and it depends on the locality. But we're preparing for transitional learning and planning periods and establishing how improved conditions might determine the suitability to progress to each subsequent phase. 
Abby, I want to go back to a couple of things you mentioned earlier. First of all, the impact on state and local revenue, uh, you know, something like $400 billion of state and local taxes uh, that obviously support everything from public safety to, to schools and infrastructure. Uh, what does that mean for the future and, and how, have, uh, how have those relationships developed, particularly as you've seen the rise of e-commerce? Absolutely. So what we're seeing in Trumbull, Connecticut right now, the mall, our mall there, Westfield Trumbull, constitutes for 5% of that town's budget. Um, so without the mall um, uh, being able to, to remain open and those retailers um, unable to, to generate sales tax, um, we're, we're, uh, we're really uh, sort of caught in this vice alongside the town. Um, we've always had wonderful working relationships with the towns in which we operate and invest in those communities quite heavily. And when it comes to uh, a, another thing that really kind of struck me is the the large number of, of the Gen Z uh, who are going to shopping malls. What do you attribute this to? I mean, obviously, for you know a large number of baby boomers and and even um, uh, Gen Xers or millennials, you know, you um, you increasingly see obviously the role that e-commerce can play, but. As we talked about earlier, you know, there's nothing like being there in person. What do you attribute, though, to Gen Z preferring to shop in stores? Well, I'll say um, America's first job is always in a mall. My my first three jobs were in malls, um, a children's shoe store, um, a department store, and uh, as a hostess at the Cheesecake Factory uh, in the uh, early 2000s when the Cheesecake Factory was, was seeing its, its heyday in terms of line control. Um, positive memories there. So I, you know, I think that this, this, this has always been a huge draw for teenagers as, as the home of their first job, but also as that place to socialize and, and, and gather um, alongside their friends. Um, and on the other side of the spectrum, um, as soon as our doors reopened, we found our, our mall walkers returning, um, yes. certainly not in, in, in the teenage years of their lives to, to, um, to put it mildly, um, but we are um, we're pleased to see that 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 uh, our activity and our enthusiasm for shopping malls really spans generations. That's great to hear. Uh, when it comes to to public policy, uh, obviously we've seen a lot already um, come out of Congress and and the White House when it comes to trying to address the the economic impact of COVID nineteen. Are there steps that Westfield thinks? Uh, should still be done, or or do you feel that uh, there were things that were done previously that really worked effectively? Well, you know, there's there's definitely a lack of clarity when it comes to policy, um, and landlords are really caught in the middle between um, some tenants who can't afford to pay rent, and we've been providing rent abatement and deferrals to to, some, to many of those tenants. Um, uh, who who were unable to afford their rent during the the the, the shutdown um, during uh, during the spring of this year, um, and we're caught in the middle between the banks to whom we owe mortgages, um, and for 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 some banks um, they've been definitely willing to work with us, and others, including our commercial mortgage-backed securities lenders. Uh, have been unable to do so. And to be clear, it's not that they're bad people. These loans are so heavily securitized and those loan covenants so strict that it, it, it at times can prohibit us from uh, from making those fle flexible arrangements for tenants. So um, when we're thinking about future economic stimulus, 
um, we've we've encouraged regulators and stakeholders and members of Congress to consider that that dilemma for for commercial real estate. Um, and and so far, it, it has not really been acknowledged through the CARES Act uh, or uh, through any sort of subsequent legislation in any meaningful way. It's, it's interesting to hear you say that. Now, uh, you know, we, we've heard about these stories of, of places like Lord and Taylor liquidating, um, obviously, uh, you know, others like Neiman Marcus, Steinmart uh, being hit hard. Uh, w- you know, when it comes to the future here, um, obviously you do have big competition with, with the Amazons of the world. Uh, do you think that there's an opportunity maybe coming out of COVID that uh, that there will be entrepreneurs who, who see an opportunity here uh, to maybe go into a shopping center uh, like Westfield and uh, and maybe create new businesses? Absolutely. And, and, and I point back to our, our mixed use examples. Um, we've, we, we, in the, in the shopping center business, um, oftentimes we're, when we see a department store that has, um, unfortunately, uh, uh, go, gone through bankruptcy, um, and, and, you know, come out on the other side unsuccessful, we've been, we've been able to repurpose those spaces, um, with, with other uses, um, brick and mortar online universities, uh, fitness centers, and, and oftentimes hotel or residential spaces, um, uh, if, if approved by local zoning, uh, can happen in those spaces. And, and we're really excited to see what that, what those possibilities bring for those spaces coming into the future. Well, Abby, it's great to talk to you about this. I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, things are, are getting restarted. It's so important for, for our economic recovery. And I think uh, as Americans become more confident in going out and, and, and reentering uh, the world and the shopping centers that, uh, that Westfield owns, uh, it's, uh, it's encouraging to hear those stories. Any final words you want to share with our listeners today? Absolutely. Um, as as we're we're heading into the fall, into the uh, into you know a possible new stimulus bill or um, or, or or some other uh, measure of recovery, Congress and the administration should really consider adopting incentives which support the continued and safe reopening of retail destinations. Um, again, it's the home of America's first job. It's the heart of communities, and we're excited to see what the future brings. Thanks, Abby. It's great to have you join us on The Daily Signal. Thanks for having me. Are you looking for quick conservative policy solutions to current issues? Sign up for Heritage's weekly newsletter, The Agenda. In The Agenda, you will learn what issues Heritage scholars on Capitol Hill are working on, what position conservatives are taking, and links to our in-depth research. The Agenda also provides information on important events happening here at Heritage that you can watch online, as well as media interviews from our experts. Sign up for the agenda on heritage.org today. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature our favorites on this show. Virginia, who's up first? In response to last week's podcast interview with Gabe Johnson titled, He Went to the Scene of the Fatal Shooting in Portland, Here's What He Saw, William Selner writes, Gabe, thank you for a conversation that put a bit of wind in my sails this morning. Your wisdom is appreciated. Your service to our country, both past and present, is admired and valued. Thank you for seeking solutions. And in response to that same podcast, Reggie Dixon of Battle Creek, Michigan writes, That was a very informative interview. Gabe Johnson, a veteran, does not deserve to have this conflict in his life. The longer this violence is allowed to continue, the property and home values will only go in one way. Restrictions to a certain area or jail time must happen 
or this is going to continue. Thanks for a very informative interview. Your letter could be featured on next week's show, so send us an email at letters at dailysignal.com. Virginia, you have a good news story to share with us today. Over to you. Thanks so much, Rob. Hurricane Laura swept through the Gulf Coast of Texas and Louisiana at the end of August, with winds hitting as high as 150 miles per hour. About 900,000 people lost power, and many homes were completely destroyed. Relief organizations are stepping up to help, and so is one high-end steak company. In partnership with the Salvation Army, Omaha Steaks has donated over 60,000 pounds of steak to those affected by the hurricane. Todd Simon, the owner of Omaha Steaks, recently joined Fox News to explain why his company wanted to give the gift of a good meal to hurricane victims. You know, one of the things we've seen uh, during the pandemic is that people are enjoying meals at home and rediscovering eating meals at home with family and friends. And our mission is to deliver exceptional experiences that bring people together. So when something comes up like this disaster um, that makes it so hundreds of thousands of people can't do that, that spurs our team into action. And that's why we teamed up with the Salvation Army to make the largest steak donation in our company's history, 60,000 pounds 200,000 portions. Yesterday, we sent two truckloads on their way to the affected areas in uh, Louisiana and Texas. The Salvation Army has set up 25 different feeding stations in the affected areas and plans to serve 10,000 hot meals a day. And of course, as the Omaha Steaks owner told Fox, steak is now on the menu for many of those meals. And these are going to be meals that, of course, will fill people's stomachs, but they're also going to help lift their spirits at probably one of the lowest times in their lives. So we're really happy to be there to help and happy to team up with the Salvation Army. I think it is just especially powerful when we see private companies go out of their way to meet the needs of American citizens in crisis. And of course, it's nice to hear some good news amid all of the hardship brought on by Hurricane Laura. It certainly is, Virginia. Thanks for bringing us that story today. We're going to leave it there for the Daily Signal podcast. You can find us on the Ricochet Audio Network, and all of our shows are available at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also listen on iHeartRadio or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to listen every weekday by adding the Daily Signal podcast as part of your Alexa Flash Briefing. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It means a lot and helps us spread the word to other listeners. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. Have a great week. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Rob Bluey and Virginia Allen. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.